We're going to show a couple of pictures up on the slides, and I want you to just blurt out the first word that you think of when you look at these pictures. And the first one. George Washington, our first president. What do you, give me a word. Freedom. Money. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody else. <laughs> huh? America. Okay, America. All right. All right, let's go to the next one. General Douglas MacArthur. <laughs> Shall return. Give me another one. I didn't hear that. What was that? Oh, you, you went a little too fast. You got ahead of me now. All right. Give me the next one. All right. Yeah, I got you. Uh, give, me, give me a word that you would associate with all three of these men. Leader. Leader. Compassionate leader. Okay, awesome. All right. I'm going to say, say a name, and I want you to blurt out the first word that comes to your mind. Jesus Christ. Savior. Friend. Lord. Savior. Friend. Love. All right. Here, here, here's the, the trick here. Not one person said leader. Not one person said leader. Jesus commands us to follow him. And we can't follow him unless we give him leadership and authority to lead us. So today, what we're going to talk about is Jesus as a leader. And uh, if you go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke 5. Actually, you know what? Before we go there, let's jump off of uh, our core verse for the week. That'll be up on the screen. So you guys get to Luke 5, and we'll, we'll jump off on uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 2. And uh, Sid taught on this last week. When I came, when, and when Paul is uh, speaking to the church in Corinth, it says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Now, everything is going to be a theme in this message. Because everything means everything. It does not mean part of this, part of that. Everything means everything. All he did was focus on Jesus. When he talked to the church in Corinth, his goal was to make, them known, make Jesus known to them. And so he dropped everything else and focused on Jesus. All right. So we're going to first talk about the call to follow, and that starts in Luke 5. And again, I put a lot of verses up there, so um, we're going to go jump around a little bit in here. So if you, don't, if you can't jump around fast enough, they'll be up here. All right. Well, if, I'm also using the NL, uh, New Living Translation version, so just follow along as you can. All right, first disciples. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. I think about this. This, this is his first interaction. Any of you guys watch Deadliest Catch or anything like that? You ever see the captains on there? Try and tell them what to do on their boat. How are you going to react? Who is this man coming to me? I've been running this boat. I'm the fisherman. Who is this man coming to me telling me how to go catch fish? I think he was very polite. Where He says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. There's that word again, everything, and followed Jesus. When Jesus got on the boat, you, you kind of think they had a sense that he was something big. They had a, I mean, he had a crowd. It said that crowds were pressed in, following him trying to listen to him. So you got to think. He thought maybe, okay, this guy was somebody. Didn't know who he was, but he's somebody. Then, when he presented himself to Peter, to Simon at the time, when he showed who he was, Peter was faced with his sin. And a lot of us are in that situation on a daily basis. We're faced with our sin. Now, here's, we have two options here. At first, Peter said, Lord, please leave me. The sin was too much for him to bear, so he didn't want to be in the presence of holiness. It's easy to hold on to our sin. Sin is comfortable. Sin is a place we like to be. Sin is our security blanket. Jesus said, don't fret. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They had to leave everything. And we're not talking about just, you know, his family, you know, his possessions, all that kind of stuff. We're talking about his self kind of being, his self-worth, his, 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 in sense, he had to die to himself. And he, he said, you're going to follow me, you're going to leave everything. You're going to leave your sinful nature, you're going to leave the, the, the shame, you're going to leave the burden of guilt, you're going to leave everything to follow me. You know, we all equate everything with something that's tangible, something we can touch, something we can feel, something we can grasp. We lose sight of everything is everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's your entire being. And, you know, we need to learn and we need to understand that when we want to give up everything to follow Jesus, he wants it all, all right? The first, we're going to go over leadership principles of Jesus. Then the first one is that Jesus held followers to high expectations. And this is from Mark 10, starts in verse 17. 
As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, man's fa at, at, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And, you know, this is where Jesus talks about it's more difficult for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Do you think Jesus really cared that he had possessions? Do you? Is, is it about the possessions that Jesus was really... You know, Jesus cared about the man's heart. He knew that the man, his treasure, where, you know, it's where your heart is, there also will be your treasure. He knew that his possessions were what he held on to. They were his treasure. And he also, you also see where he talks about, you know the commandments, right? But what's the very first commandment? The very first commandment, thou, sh thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is he breaking that first commandment? He absolutely is. He made his possessions his God. He said, well, why do, I, why do I have to give this up if I have to follow you? Jesus asked for everything, everything. If that means you're willing to follow, then there's going to be sacrifice involved. Jesus has high expectations. He doesn't want part of your heart. He wants the entire thing. He wants to be Lord in your life. He wants to be Lord, and he wants to have control. We're sinful by nature. It's hard to give up control sometimes. I know it's a daily thing for me. I was 16. I was saved. 16 years old, just started going to a church. Um, I was saved. I decided, okay, I'm going to be a Christian. From the ages of 16 to 19, I knew I was getting to heaven. I just didn't care how I was getting there. I lived not like a Christian. I was a Christian, but I didn't live out a life that followed Christ. I didn't give my life to Christ until I was probably about 29 years old, where I sat there and said, Lord, I surrender all, and I gave it all up to him. Did I do that out of a because I needed something or because I was going to be fulfilled this way or that way? Yes, it was. I needed Christ to be Lord of my life, and he was the only one that can fill the void that was in my heart. Now, I knew, again, I believed in the Son of God. I believed Jesus came and died for my sins. I believed that he, you know, loved me, that he resurrected, that he's with, with God in heaven, and that he's prepared a place for me. But just knowing that is not enough. You know, I'm called to be Christian, which means little Christ. I'm called to model my life after he did. 
And I'll tell you what, since I made that choice to follow and become a follower, a lifelong follower of Christ, it's been hard. It's been extremely difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to paint a rosy picture and say everything's just been hunky-dory because that's not true. I mean, I've, I've, my family can attest we've gone through some major struggles, ups and downs, um, not knowing where, where God was going to take us. God called me into worship ministry and kind of we were left up in the air in certain positions and not knowing what's going on, not knowing what our next move is going to be. And, you know, in, that, in those moments, though, God showed me he's faithful. The Lord showed me he's faithful. Jesus showed me he is faithful, that he loves me and that he knows what's best for me when I think I know what's best for myself. He's, he's grown in me a trust and a faith that it's okay to follow because even in the worst of times, he's still Lord and he's still on the throne. So I pray today that you guys, as we keep continuing in this message, that you understand that no matter what struggle, no matter what you're going through, you can be a Christian here today, but did, have you truly given your life to the leadership of Jesus Christ? Have you truly followed him in all he asks you to do, in all the way he commands you, in all the way he directs you? You have to ask yourself and examine yourself that, uh, daily on that. You know, the Bible tells us be renewed daily. Be renewed daily. It's not one day, okay, I'm going to decide to follow him this day, but on the next day, I'm not going to follow him. You know, I'm going to take control back. I know every time I've tried to take control back where it's led me. I don't want to be there. All right, so we know that Jesus held followers to high expectations. All right. Second principle. Jesus, Jesus led against the grain. Uh, he cared more about people than rules, rituals, traditions, regulations. We're going to go to John 8, 8. And everybody, is, you know, it's another famous you know, Bible story that even people that don't read the Bible pretty much know about this one. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And Jesus stood up and, again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you, condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Uh, you see the theme here? You know, people with the religious clout, the, the high and mighty of the day, trying to, you know, outsmart the creator of the universe. Uh, but with one motion and one phrase, he made them confront their own sin. He said, let, you know, you who without sin cast the first stone. 
And every single one of them had an option there. You know, they're faced with their sin. They could have either chosen to follow Jesus. They could have dropped, they did drop their stones, but they fled. They didn't stay and go, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. They sat there and go, I guess we don't get to stone that girl today. Do you think they were confronted with shame? Their own shame? These are the high and mighty people. These are, these are the, the ones that are supposed to have it all together. These are the ones that, you know, are the ones that taught, taught the law that, that Jesus came to fulfill. And Jesus confronted them and said, hey, you without sin, cast the first stone. And if you look at it, he's, Jesus kind of doing it nonchalantly. He's, he's just kind of doing his thing. He's writing in the stone, you know, writing in the sand. And, and then, you know, they, they leave one by one, and they're all gone. And then he goes to the girl and says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Condemn you? And Jesus said, and she said, no, Lord. And then Jesus said, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. For those in Christ, there's no condemnation. The price has been paid. There's no more debt to pay. And he says, go and sin no more. Go, leave that here. Don't take it with you. Don't take that guilt. Don't take that shame. Don't take that burden. Leave it here. Go and sin no more. Now, are we sinners? Do we sin every day? Who has not committed a sin today? Not one person. If you, if you sped down this street like I do every single day, every day, it's a sin. We are imperfect people. Do we intentionally try and sin? Sometimes. But it's in our nature. It's in our nature. So our spirit of being a Christ follower and our flesh are sitting there at war every single day. Every single day. And that's our flesh going, I need to have control. Give it to me. I want to carry the burden. I want to carry the shame. I want to carry the guilt. I want to carry my possessions. And then Jesus saying, hand it over. Trust me. You trust me to lead you. Hand it over. He's not sitting there going, I'm taking it. He wants you to freely give it. That's where you, your, your free will and your choice comes in. You can choose to hang on or you can choose to let it go. But he cares more about you than he does about the rules and the regulations that governments put forth, that churches put forth. He cares about you and your heart and you as an individual. All right, our third attribute. Jesus leads us to humility and servitude. And we're going to go to John 13, uh, 3 for this. And this is actually one of my favorite um, series of verses in the Bible just because it shows the humility that, that Jesus came to serve us with. And starting in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from his table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. There he began to wash the disciples' feet, dyeing them 
drying them with the towel he had, he had had around him. Now, we'll stop there for a second. Now, biblical times, if, if a person had many servants, the washing of the feet was the most menial, was the most, it was left to the lowest of the low of the servants of the household. So if somebody, if you were going to a, a wealthy person's house and they had servants there and the servant came in and washed your feet, that was the lowest of the low, just to give you a sense. Jesus, not because he was commanded to, not because he was obligated to, because he loved his disciples, he loved them so much, and he wanted to show them something, humbled himself to the lowest of low positions and washed their feet. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Jesus, King of kings, the highest of high, the holiest of holies. Do you think it was right for him to be a foot washer? We put ourselves in a lot of times in positions where we think we're better than this one or we think we're better than that one. Jesus is the standard. There is nobody, nobody ever has been, ever will be, or is now as good as Jesus is. And he puts in himself in a position to go to the lowliest of lows. A lot of us live in comfortable situations. A lot of us don't. Are we helping each other? Are we taking that bucket and that basin and going, you know what, there's a need. I need to follow Christ. Let me wash your feet today. Let me serve you. Am I following Christ in everything he does? Or am I sitting going, I'm too good for that. That's not a task that I need to be doing. I'll let somebody else do that. We need to examine ourselves, guys. Jesus led by example. He didn't just command and say, okay, you do this, you do that. Jesus showed them the way. And he humbled himself all the way to the cross. Died an excruciating death. Died a humiliating death. Flogged. Beaten. Hung on a cross to die. In front of so many witnesses that just sat there and laughed at him, scoffed at him. Put himself in the lowliest of lowly positions. He did that for us. Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over, the pe over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The ultimate act of service. Gave his life in servitude to give you 
an option to give you a choice. And you have choices. Do you choose to follow? Do you choose to flee? You're, you're confronted by Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross. He paid his life. He gave you an option. Hey, I'm here for you. I'm here with open arms. Give me your life or keep your life and take it for yourself and flee. A lot of people don't take the option of giving it up. And being a Christ follower, I've been there and understand being, but I don't understand. There are so many people that want to hold on to this world and what the world has to offer, offer us. This world is temporary. It's temporary. Guess what? Every single one of you, 100%, not a, beyond a shadow of a doubt, every single person in here is going to die. You are going to die. Sometimes, somehow, some way, your days are numbered. What you have now, your families, your possessions, your friends, they're temperate. I mean, that's, they're, they're only going to last a blink of an eye. Jesus is forever. He, he, was, he is the beginning. He is the end. He's infinite. He's all eternal. He's, he's, he's everything. And do you want something that's temperate? Or do you want something that's eternal? All right. Our final attribute. Jesus leads us to lead others. And we're taking this from John 21, 15. Um, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him. Peter, uh, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Think about it. We have the kids. We got a lot of the kids in the room today. And as babies, they rely solely on you as, as, as parents, as adults, as grandparents, to, to feed them, to take care of them, to nurture them. As they, as they tend to grow up, a little bit, you know, they get, you know, four and five toddlers, they get a little sense of independence. They're like, oh, I, I, can, I can walk a little bit here, I can reach this here, I can drink my own drinks, and, and do you just stop? You stop, is that where it, it ends? Is, is that where the guiding and the nurturing and everything ends? No, you still guide them and, and you're still teaching them, you're just teaching them different things now because they've, they've grown a little bit more mature. It's the same with Christians. Guys, as we begin to follow Christ, 
it's not, you know, just because you become a Christian, it doesn't end with a profession of faith and a baptism. You know, I love that this, this church and the missional communities that we have is about disciple makers. It's about becoming disciples of Christ. It's becoming Christ in our community. We have to nurture the relationships of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to, we can't just let them go, okay, you're baptized now, you're saved, you're good to go. Go make Christians. No, we need to nurture each other. We need to feed each other. We need to love each other the way Christ loved us. The reason when I was 16 years old and I became a Christian that I didn't live like a Christian, there's accountability on my own part, yes. However, I did not have anybody that took, to the, that took the time to invest into my life. So from 16 to 19, when a teenage boy, all he thinks about is girls, and there's not a man that's speaking into his life saying, girls are not an object of lust or desire, but they are a creation of God, and that he loves them more than you will ever love them. I did whatever I could and whatever I wanted to do. I didn't live a life becoming of Jesus. Nobody invested in me. Nobody held me accountable. Nobody spoke that kind of love into me. I was baptized. I was a Christian. I was a number. I'm good. I'm good to go. Jesus sees you more than just a number. You're not a number to him. You are a person. You are a living being. You are a heart that he desires and that he wants to nurture and to grow in him. Think about the second part of those verses where he's telling Peter basically how he's going to die. Now, Peter also was crucified, but he did not... He didn't feel he was worthy to be crucified the way Jesus died, so he was actually hung upside down on the cross. Um, and it talks about a death that would glorify God. Jesus already set the example. His was the ultimate death. His was the ultimate sacrifice. Is your physical death going to bring honor and glory to God? No. That's not what he's talking about. But there is a death to self. We think about baptism and what a beautiful portrayal baptism is. We're submerged and brought up. Named and baptized in the name of the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But think about it. We're, we start off as our own self. Then we're laid to rest. We die to ourselves, and we are brought up in a new creation. What a wonderful portrayal of baptism, and what a wonderful portrayal of the resurrection. Die to yourself, born again to walk in the newness of Christ. That is the death that glorifies God. When you sit there and say, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm letting go. It's yours. It's yours. 
it doesn't end there. That's a beginning. But it's a daily thing where you've got to go, God, I give it to you. I give you this day. Guess what? Your children, your grandchildren, your stewards. Your stewards to care over them, but they're God's. They belong to the Lord. If you trust him, he will be faithful. His plans are greater than our plans. We don't know what he has in store for us. We don't. But I promise you this. If you trust him and truly give him leadership and lordship of your life, he will be faithful. And when those burdens and those trials and everything hits you, when, there's, when, it, when you're at your worst, there is a peace. There is a, pe a peace that will transcend all understanding, and you'll know it's God. You'll know it's God. So I just pray today that maybe there was a perspective shift in, in how you saw Jesus. Is Jesus just your savior? Is he just your friend? Is he just someone that loves you unconditionally? Or is he your leader? Is he your one and only true leader? You have to choose to follow a leader. You have a choice. And the choice you're faced with today, when confronted with Jesus, will you flee? Are you going to flee? Or are you going to follow? If you want to hold on to your stuff, it's, it's mine. Jesus says, go, but I'm still here. Or you can choose the day. I give it all to you. I give it all. So for those that don't know Jesus at all and want to take that first step of at least knowing who he is and becoming one of his, I pray that you just come and talk to Sid after the service. And I pray that when faced with Jesus, that you don't choose to flee. I pray that your choice is to follow. So let me pray for us today. Dearest Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, for me personally, you are the Lord of my life, and, and I've chosen to give all authority in my life to you. Lord, I pray for those struggling today that want to hold on and keep control and haven't fully trusted in your leadership, Lord. For any of those that, that are seeking, that are confused, Lord, that need clarification, Lord, I, I pray that you just show yourselves to them in a mighty, mighty way, that they know that you are one true God and that you love them beyond all measure. Lord, I thank you that we can come together in this place as uh, Christ followers, and just glorify you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you are honored here today. We lift this in Jesus' name. Amen.